Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and today this is actually a continuation of the first part of this long discussion that we had last week uh, in last week's episode with Macy and Evan. So um, yeah, I just had the rest of the interview for you guys right here. It ended up being a really long interview, so I hope you guys enjoy all of it. And I understand if it's a lot to take in, but we had a lot to say on the subject, and we could honestly go on forever. So, yeah, here's the other part of the interview, and I hope you guys see you guys uh, next Wednesday. See ya. But, yeah, so it all started back with Walt Disney, unintentionally, the guy with Mickey Mouse and his walking and talking animal friends started this whole revolution of people uh, thinking that humans were equivalent to animals because animals feel things too when they don't. That's just fact of the matter. There have been tons of studies to prove. Certain animals do. Dolphins, mice, dogs, they all have certain mm-hmm. abilities to recognize things that some e- some humans don't even recognize. But more often than not, animals don't have that same cognition that we do. And that's something that kind of proves that animals shouldn't be equivalent to us. They're not capable of the same mental thought or the same mental capabilities that a human is. And the other problem I have with that is would animals have to pay taxes if they're equivalent to humans? <laughs> they're trying to get this... <laughs> They're trying to get this bill of rights for animals. So would they have to pay taxes? Uh, would they have to they vote? Better. Would they have to like how 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 exactly I swam this with work? some I swam with some dolphins one time. I get all their votes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't. I, I just there's a certain side of this argument that I agree with, and there's a certain side of this argument that just takes it too far. And it's just really like, how do you come to that conclusion? Like I. I agree that animals shouldn't be abused. That's, you know, number one, I, I've i seen kids that own steers. I've seen actual farmers that will abuse their animals, and they'll beat them, and they'll kick them, and they'll do all these things, and the animals, in turn, produce lower-quality product. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone in the livestock industry knows that if you stress out an animal right before it's butchered, its meat's going to taste horrible. Yeah. If you stress out a cow right before you milk her, her milk is going to be, it's either going to be less in quality or it's going to be less in quantity. If she doesn't produce as good of milk if she's stressed. Um, chickens won't lay eggs if they're stressed. Like, stress is a very, very difficult thing for a farmer to deal with, so it's easier just to avoid it and not treat your animals wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I understand that there are certain instances, and this happens all over the world, not just America, but there are tons of like in india they don't have the same animal rights policies we do and they just do whatever they want to their animals because they don't realize what it's affecting to those animals um but we're not abusing animals for the fun of it if you see somebody with which i know cattle prods are legal now but if you see somebody you know hitting a, a steer in the back with a stick or hitting a cow in the in the butt with a stick to try to get him to move that's not the same thing as breaking a steer's leg because it wasn't walking right or, or busting a, a steer's nose open until it bleeds or, you know, beating a pig until it's just covered in gashes. Like, that stuff happens, and that's horrible, and I agree with that, but that's not all farmers. It's a very, very tiny minority of farmers. Yeah, it's just like anything else. I mean, it's wrong to do that, but there are still people that are going to do it. It's right. wrong to steal from a store, but there are still some people that are going to do it. It's just the way certain people are right so you can't label all people murderers or thieves or just because a few a select few do that just like in the agriculture industry you can't say oh my gosh everybody just beats their animals it's so wrong people can't keep their animals but not 
everyone does that. It's a select few. Right. And another thing with that is um, I just got certified, which means your dad was in my class with me. Yeah. We just got certified <laughs> to artificially inseminate. Um, Abby was there with me as well, and we we're actually going to go over the, that in this episode, but she couldn't make it today, so next episode. But um, we just got certified to artificially inseminate. That is something that is a big no-no to a lot of the animal rights activists because they believe that artificial insemination is rape. That by, um, that by sticking your arm inside a cow to ensure that... <laughs> you okay there, Macy? Yeah. Um, so by sticking your arm inside a cow to ensure that she, she's pregnant or by sticking a stick that contains semen in it in a cow to ensure that she gets pregnant properly, that that's rape. And the problem I have with that is in the animal kingdom, rape is natural. Like, they, all they do is rape. If you put a bull and a cow out in the pasture, then the bull is going to rape the cow in order to impregnate her, whether the cow likes it or not. If she doesn't like it, she can double barrel him and get him off. But, like, that's that's something that's, that's such a, a ridiculous concept to me because cows don't give consent. They can't. So, like, and artificial insemination is leaps and bounds safer than natural or, or uh, not natural but traditional breeding like not to say there's not a useful purpose in traditional breeding but artificial insemination is safer it's um, more oftentimes more effective and it's easier to breed them in like summer heat for example mm-hmm. not that they're going to take necessarily but bulls don't even want to mount anything in summer heat so it's like it's a lot easier just to ai something and that's i i actually find that to be less dangerous then because the bull can hurt the cow the cow can hurt herself like there's there's so many things that can go wrong with traditional breeding the ai is so much safer and so much more effective and so much better um so i fail to see how that is worse than a traditional breeding method and that's the other thing they say that we put two animals out in a pasture and that we're encouraging rape the animal kingdom natural behavior encourages rape like bulls are naturally going to mount cows that is that's just natural instinct. They're not gonna walk up and, and take the cow on a date and and you know just talk to him for you know three months before they try mounting him. No, they're gonna walk out there. If they see a cow's in heat, they're gonna mount her. They're gonna do whatever they're gonna do, and they're gonna leave. And they're gonna go find another cow, and they're gonna go mount her and do the same thing. It's just natural. That's that's the natural order of things. And the funny thing about it is the same people that say that we're wrong for doing that are the same people that say that. Um, how am I trying to word this? The same people that say that it's rape for us to artificially inseminate rather than let the cow get hurt by the bull are the same people that say that it's wrong for... I'm not going to go that far. That's that's kind of... It's, it's, I'm trying to compare it to like... Um, I don't know how I want to say this. All right, we're, we're going to move on because I, I can't think of the, the analogy I was trying to think of. Anyway, um, so yeah, so... The origin of animal rights in, in the form that it's in today all started with Disney. And it's actually, it's kind of funny. Um, back when we first um, started researching animal rights for XTEM, the intro to my speech was talking about the shot heard around the world. You know, the, the revolutionary shot. And if you know your history, the shot heard around the world is the shot that sparked the American Revolution. It's the shot that nobody knew who fired it, and it was like this huge controversial thing, and it started this whole revolution, and nothing's really been the same since, because now we have a country. Well, I'm talking about the shot heard around the world, but not that shot heard around the world. The shot I'm talking about is the shot that killed Bambi's mom, because it was the same shot that sparked a new revolution that a lot of people are fighting in today, and that was something that the judges um, applauded me on for being able to make that connection, because it's very similar. I mean, we have a new revolution 
of ideas going on here and not that there's going to be a secession from another country because you know people don't like that we're killing cows but this is a, a new form of rebellion that we haven't really seen or thought of before and it's in some ways it's getting worse in some ways it's getting better i mean like i was saying i think that the only reason we think so badly of these groups is because all of their activists control their media so it just it looks bad on everything they do mm-hmm. but there are people who honestly believe that we shouldn't do these things and they're very civil and they're very nice about it and that's perfectly fine like again we're not here to, ch- to change your mind we're here to just give you an alternative way of thinking um and one more thing on that i just completely blanked I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> Macy, do you have anything to add? Um, well, I do have another statistic here. I stated earlier that 80% of the population isn't directly employed in agriculture, but 81% of the population um, owns at least one social media account, and so different outreach groups like PETA or Vegan Outreach or the Humane Society, whenever they post different pictures and videos, so much of the population sees it. However, so little of the population actually knows what goes on in the agriculture industry so i think that really negatively affects the agriculture industry and then it um (laughs) it what's it called like it produces different regulations that the agriculture industry now has to conform to when most of them oh not most of them some of them are false like i said the video that we saw about the animal death trap it was fake that's not what it is at all and so but only a few people know that a few percent of the population knows that um so i think that social media has a really negative it can have a negative effect but it can also have a positive effect on the different ways that people view things and Right, no, I, I absolutely agree. And um, that's something that I think was a good segue. We talked a little bit about like the new regulations being um, in place because of these animal rights uh, groups that are becoming a lot more vocal. Um, the prime example of this is something that, again, Evan and I talked about in episode two, Proposition 2. Mm-hmm. So just a kind of reminder for if, you, if any of you didn't catch episode two, Proposition 2 is a proposition that requires certain animals, um, egg-laying hens, uh, swine, uh, veal calves, to be stored in certain uh, regulated size cages to enable them to have the ability to stand up and stretch their legs and turn around. Um, And they also have to have certain temperature regulations and there's all kinds of uh, regulations in place for how these animals need to be uh, stored and and taken care of, which that's all fine and dandy. The problem is that applies to other states too, not just California. It's a California proposition, but if any other state wants to export animals to California, they have to follow those exact same guidelines, which mm-hmm. I think is, is a bit far to enforce a regulation on another state. I think that that's something that shouldn't necessarily be um, allowed because you know it's a state regulation. You shouldn't be able to apply it to anywhere else. Other countries have to follow it too. If other countries want to export to us, which we're one of the top uh, trading states in the country, so if any other country wants to export animal goods to us, then they have to be raised by these regulations. And vice versa. And vice versa. And it's just like it's it's so hard to get anything done. And of course, farmers are adapting to it because farmers adapt to everything. But they shouldn't have to adapt to something that simple. You should just be able to raise the animal how you want to raise it, and if people find out that you're not raising it in a humane way, then you get shut down. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, like, it's just, it's, I don't see the 
benefit in forcing other states and other countries to follow uh, California's regulations, especially when those other countries have completely different lifestyles than we do. I mean, there are animal rights organizations all over the world. Australia has their own animal rights organization. Um, there's a PETA UK. There are all kinds of different animal rights uh, organizations all over the world, but all those organizations handle their problems differently because all those countries handle their animals differently. Like I was saying earlier, India has entirely different methods of farming than we do, both animal and crop, but especially in their animal agriculture, it's immensely different than how we treat our cows here. And there's a reason that we're above them because we do a better job of it. Um, mm -hmm. But like more under the kind of the, un the unnecessary um, actions of the regulations, there is kind of a step further that, that goes in. And like the, the legislature part of it is definitely a problem, but I think that there are certain animal rights groups. There's one called ALF. I'm not sure if you two are familiar with ALF. Um, it's the Animal Liberation Front. This group is basically it's a terrorist group of animal rights activists. Not to say that all animal rights supporters coincide with this group because obviously there are, um, you know, there's radicals of every type of belief, mm -hmm. but this group has been reported to do all kinds of horrible things. Like they planted a bomb in, um, in like a, uh, what do you call it? A, a holding chute at a rodeo. So um, this bull rider was about to go in for, uh, for this round at a rodeo and sh they found a bomb that was going to kill 14 people mm. and, and Alf didn't deny it. They said, yeah, I know we did that. And they're proud of that because they would rather kill one bull and 14 guys than allow those guys to ride that bull. And that's just... And um, this this story actually came out uh, this past... Uh, actually, it was a year ago uh, this month, I think. Um, there was a there's an actress, and I do not know her name for the life of me, um, but she was in the original Baywatch. Pamela Anderson? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. The blonde girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she snuck onto a dairy and stole a calf. Mm. This, this calf <laughs> supposedly had scours and hadn't been treated, which if you don't know what scours is, Evan, explain to him what scours is. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, scours is a digestive issue that a lot of cattle have, and it's usually, in its most basic form, it's diarrhea. That's that's all it is, mm -hmm. and it can be treated, you know, a few different ways. It depends on how they got it, and um, whether it's bacterial, environmental, or um, caused by just the lack of hygiene. Um, how you treat it is very different. But this calf had already been treated for it; it just hadn't gone away yet because these things take time. Mm -hmm. And this actress snuck in. And by the way, to find calves, the calves are hidden in in dairies. Like they're in these hutches; they're not out on the side of the road. They're like deep in the dairy. So she had to go onto private property, sneak over to these hutches, and steal a calf. And she took it back to her house and is raising it until it's big enough she's going to let it go in the wild. That's what a lot of people don't realize. You can't just put a, a tamed animal into the wild. It's right. going to die. They have no natural instinct. Not in the sense that they need. Yeah. I went to um, San Luis last year, and I was at their street fair, farmer's market thing, mm. whatever you call it. And they had... Um, I believe it was the vegan outreach group had a booth there and they had all of these pictures of like all of like it was bloody and gory pictures of animals and they were like this is what people do like this is so inhumane and so I went up and talked to them and I was asking her questions and she was telling me like how dairies are just so bad because she was asking me where we were from and um, it was me and a couple of other girls and we were like oh we're from this town in California it's one of the biggest dairy producing 
counties in the entire world and she was like oh dairies are just so bad and she was telling us it's so inhumane to keep them in pins it's they just need to be released into the wild and she was like not she was telling us how it wasn't only inhumane but it was also bad for the environment because they produce so much manure and it's just so bad for the environment and so I told her I said no matter where you put this animal it's going to produce manure and she was like, well, I just think, you know, they should be released into the wild. And she was telling me how she saves animals and then raises them at her house, basically. And she was telling me she has chickens that she's saved and cows that she's saved and all these different things. And I was, I was trying to explain to her, you can't have every family in the world have their own cow for milk and raise it like all nice and like a little pet basically you can't do that to produce an adequate amount of milk or eggs or different things like that you have to um you have to have a large enough supply of animals so not everybody in the world can own one cow and everybody will be fine you have to have such things like dairies and Right, and that's um, another reason for that, along, you know, besides the fact that just people can't do that. Um, I'm trying to find the story if, if my browser will respond. Uh, I was listening to, I don't know if you guys listen to Ben Shapiro, awesome guy. Anyway, I digress. Um, he was telling the story about, or not story, he was basically making a point as to why capitalism is so effective and so important. And he was saying that there's this guy who literally tried to make his own BLT. Like, he grew the actual crops that he needed to make the bread, and then he bought a cow, and he milked it to make the cheese, and he grew the tomatoes, and he, like, he grew, he got, he got pigs, and he got all the things together that he needed to make the BLT. It took him three months, and it cost him, I think, like, three grand or something like that, just to make one sandwich. And that idea that, you know, people can just take animals and just raise them on their own, and that way, you know, you'll eliminate all animal in- inhumanity is just, for one, it's going to be expensive, for two, people can't logically do that. That's why capitalism exists. That's why all these corporations exist to, you know, take care of you, to put all of your products into a nice little neatly wrapped bag for you, and you can go over and buy them at the store. And not only that, like, people think that just because if, if they own these animals, like, they'll treat them right. If everyone owned their own set of animals instead of these large farms owning these animals, I guarantee there's going to be a lot more animal abuse than there ever was because a lot of people aren't going to know how to take care of the animals and they're going to either neglect them or they're not going to give them the proper treatment that they need to, to stay healthy and then they're going to die. Yeah. And Like there are so many dogs and cats in the pound and on the streets and you hear all of these stories about um, bad owners basically. And so if you, like imagine if everybody had a cow, how much more... I mean, are they going to start a pound for cows? Right. Like, imagine how much more animal abuse there would be towards um, livestock animals if everybody had their own. Right, yeah. Oh, actually, I found it. It's $1,500 for this guy. It took him six months to make this BLT sandwich, making it from scratch. Anyway, back to the uh, the point at hand. Yeah, um, I had to mention that. That came up. Um, yeah, no. So, in even getting away from the animal agriculture aspect of things, people are... These animal rights uh, groups are so, they contradict themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I saw a post by PETA when it was so cold outside, back when it was uh, winter, saying, uh, don't leave your cats outside to freeze. 
And then another post like cats. Cats. <laughs> I don't like cats. <laughs> well, this post said, "Don't leave your cats outside to freeze. Take them inside and warm them up. Take uh, neighborhood cats inside and warm them up. Don't let cats." Uh, just stay outside in the cold. Another post, like three weeks earlier, was when one is not as cold, said, "Don't trap your cats inside the house. Let them go outside and be free and explore the world." Okay, well, which one do you want? Do you want them in the house or out of the house? Because we can't have both. It's not a Schrodinger's cat kind of situation. Yeah, I don't have any cats. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but it's just like that kind of mentality is what I have such a problem with. All these people are opposed, and they're one of my favorite examples to use is um, people who. Uh, not necessarily vegan, but people who support animal rights more often than not also coincided with the organic style of farming mm-hmm. because they believe it's safer they don't, or they don't trust um, like pesticides or they don't trust what GMOs or whatever it is. The, ironic, the, uh, the irony in that is they are more supportive of uh, these animals being treated humanely, yet if the animal gets sick, they also believe you shouldn't give them an antibiotic. So how is that treating it humanely if you're going to just let it sit there and be sick, potentially die, rather than just give it the antibiotic and, and just sell it with antibiotics in it? Like, we're not giving the antibiotics just so, you know, they can be all roided up and, and be, like, powerhouse beef animals. Like, we're giving them antibiotics because they need the antibiotics. Yeah, and there's also a lot of regulations that um, a lot of people don't know about is it's illegal to, or I guess, yeah, it would be illegal. Right. It's illegal to um, give chickens antibiotics so you see all of these like promotions like um hormone or no is it hormones or antibiotics i think it's hormones hormones it's illegal to give chickens hormones so you see all of these our chickens are hormone free well all chickens are hormone any free. chicken sold in the united states grown and sold in the united states is hormone free it's a regulation so they use it as kind of clickbait i guess you could say right to spending more for hormone free chicken because it sounds better when really all chicken is hormone-free, and a lot of people don't know that. Right, yeah, no, and that's that goes into kind of our labeling issue, which is going to be another episode here. I'm not sure when it'll come out eventually, but, yeah, we're going to go over a whole episode of just talking about, you know, misdirection and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so that's just, that's a that's a general problem I have with um, the whole animal rights issue is there's a lot of contradiction there. So if they could pick one, if they can decide on an ideology that they want to follow, then I'll say, all right, well, let's go with that. Let's, you know, let's assume that you're right. Let's talk about it. But no, they have to go back and forth and they have to say, well, that's wrong, but it's also right because of this reason. That's wrong, but that's also right because of this reason. Well, I can't please you if you're just going to tell me everything I do is both wrong and right. Yeah, that's what I got a lot from talking to the lady at the farmer's market, the Mm -hmm. vegan outreach lady. She just kept talking in circles and contradicting herself and Mm -hmm. going back and forth. And anytime I would ask her a question or make a good point, um, pro animal welfare and not animal rights she would just be like no no and she wouldn't back up anything that she was saying with actual facts where right. anytime you ask her a question she would just kind of deflect it because she she just believed in it but she didn't really have the research to back up what she believed in right and that tends to happen a lot a lot of people are following this ideology for lack of a better word because they believe it's ethically right. They believe that they're they're following their good morals by trying to protect these animals. And whether it's for religious reasons or whether it's for uh, just you know personal reasons, they think that this is right. Well, there's all kinds of things in religion that say that we should be using animals for um, you know human benefit. And there's all kinds of um, support for the basically the alternative to what they think is morally correct. And the problem with it is, 
I have met maybe less than, I can, I can count on one hand how many actual Amorites uh, supporters I've met that have actually been able to support anything they said with actual fact. Mm-hmm. A majority of them are just, you know, rage-filled and they just want to talk about how you're a murderer because you kill animals and mm-hmm. you say, well, I'm sorry that I'm, I want you to stay healthy. I want, I'm sorry I want you to eat food. I mean... Yeah, um, they and, follow it with their hearts, but they don't right. back it up with their minds. Right, and that's that's where a lot of... And that, this, you know, just to kind of get off topic just a little bit, that's just the problem in general today. With, besides just animal rights, just in general, most topics, people get too passionate about it and they don't stop to actually do the research. I, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she's a vegan, and she was talking about... Because we always go back and forth and... Um, our arguments because she actually does semi-decent amount of research um, and she was making this argument that bears are primarily herbivores that they don't eat very much meat in comparison to how much uh, vegetation and fruit they eat and I wanted to disprove her so I, I did my research and I found an article that said that bears um, that 90% of their diet consists of meat and that 10% of their diet consists of vegetation and she found a an article that says that 40% of their diet consists of meat and 60% consists of vegetation. So it's like two conflicting yeah. articles. It's really just trying to, excuse me, trying to find which one's more reliable. And that's also a, a difficult thing to do, but I'd much rather have that than somebody doing no research and saying, well, I just think that bears should only eat vegetables, so I'm just going to say they only eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people do. I mean, they, they ignore actual fact because it doesn't appeal to what they think is right mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of something that needs to be um fixed i think um yeah just in general like in in schools people need to be more encouraged to do their research on these topics before getting into heated discussions with them which is why we're talking about it today because okay. i want all of our listeners here to go out and do their research before getting into these arguments like we talk about all the time you need to pick your battles you can't, you can't just go pick a fight with anybody that says that what you're doing is wrong know your stuff because there's one argument <laughs> there's one argument that always trumps me in every single life discussion i have with a vegan it's something that i still haven't been able to completely uh combat yet and it's not that they're right it's just that i don't know enough to to fight them on it and it's always nutrition like i i have such a hard time focusing when i'm reading about dietary stuff you know um vitamins and and what you should be eating what you shouldn't be eating and all that kind of stuff i have such a hard time focusing on that because that stuff is just not not that it's not interesting it's just not something that i can read for hours and not like i can read something on you know the beef industry how many steers are born per year or whatever well not steers but bulls are like you know i can read all kinds of statistics on all kinds of stuff but nutrition for some reason i just blank and so anytime a vegan challenges me on the nutritional aspect of their diet i just I know it's not right, but I can't fight it. So I just say, you know what? You have a good point. I haven't done that much research on the nutrition aspect of it. Let me get back to you. And that's a fair argument. You can you can say that. Mm-hmm. And it's also difficult because a lot of people have a lot of different things. Like um, towards the nutrition part, a lot of people are lactose intolerant. Right. So they don't consume milk, and that's for their own health. So that is um, sort of pro- I don't know what you like it's kind well, of i don't know it's like that's not really supporting the animal rights aspect of it though it's just mm-hmm. that they can't and people say all the time that um humans weren't meant to consume animal because um lactose intolerance became a thing which means we were we were not biologically supposed to be able to produce to consume milk that wasn't that wasn't from our own mother mm-hmm. and on that i just have to say well i don't think that's right because lactose intolerance is 
kind of a product of, of genetics. It's not really a product of... Do uh, people have other allergies like strawberries, right. eggs, nuts? Are we not supposed to consume these things? Right. There, there is an argument that says that we're supposed to be fruitarians naturally. That we're only supposed to eat fruit. And there is a lot of fruits that humans cannot consume. Like yeah. just naturally our bodies cannot process it. So I don't understand where their argument comes from there. Um, there was an argument I was getting in with somebody because... If you're going to go the biological route for what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating, all of the evidence is in, is in the digestive system and the teeth. Mm-hmm. Because in the digestive system, we are what's known as monogastric. Pigs are also monogastric, and pigs are also omnivores, just like us. Um, most herbivores, actually a hefty majority, I'm not sure if there are any examples of non uh, of, of herbivores that don't have this, but a majority of herbivores have either a ruminant system or a modified monogastric system like horses. And what basically that means is the food doesn't just stick in their stomach and, and wait to be digested. Their food is through a constant process of uh, just breaking them apart, like like uh, like cattle, for example. Cattle have a ruminant system, uh, just like sheep and goats and uh, a majority of other herbivores, where they consume their food, it goes through their four-chambered stomach, and then it turns into a bolus, and they cough it back up to chew it again and consume it again. And I know, that's gross. But that is completely different than what we do. And if you look at a majority of omnivore animals or even carnivorous animals, I mean, cats and dogs have very similar stomachs to have, have to, how, to how we have in terms of how they're actually structured. A monogastric system is intended specifically for consumption of both plant and animal material. And evidence of this is, is I mean, look at most diets. You eat salad because you cannot process it. You can't digest it. It just goes straight through you. It's empty weight, basically. It fills you up, and you cannot digest any of the nutrients in it, whereas some animal might be able to digest nutrients out of that salad because they have the digestive system to do so. Mm -hmm. Same thing with fruit. There's a lot of fruits that we can't digest because we weren't supposed to. But I have yet to see a type of meat that we cannot digest. Our body can naturally digest that type of of meat just because that's what we were built to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of arguments to be made there. There's a lot of arguments to be made in terms of your teeth. I mean, we have two rows of teeth. That's okay. a pretty fair argument right there. We have canines, yeah. and people say that that's for cutting into fruit, and that's not what it is for all at all. Because they're saying that our teeth aren't meant for tearing flesh. That's because we've evolved. Back in the day, early humans, yeah, they had teeth that were meant for tearing into flesh because we couldn't cook our food. When we learned how to cook, our teeth slowly over time got duller and duller and duller. And now we can basically chew up tougher food like beef jerky without having to tear the flesh off the cow itself because that's not what we evolutionary need to do like there's all kinds of evidence to show that humans were never meant to be purely vegetative based in their diets they're they're meant to consume meat that's always been um kind of unproven yeah but like that's always kind of just been known like you know mm-hmm. you don't really need to to prove that like just look at our biology that's how we're built yeah and that's just something that I mean, look at, so there's, there's another thing before I, I'm getting a little far on this topic, but this is something I've done a lot of research in. Chimpanzees are known to be the closest descendants of humans. Chimpanzees and humans had the closest biology and the closest psychology, psychology of any other animal in the world. They're omnivores. Mm-hmm. Just saying. They have very, very similar digestive systems to, we, to how we have. They have very similar teeth uh, structures to how, we ha- to, to how we have. And... They are completely omnivores. They eat fruit, they eat vegetation, they eat meat. They don't only eat vegetation because they can't eat meat. They can eat meat, so they do eat meat. And we can eat meat, so we should eat meat. And that's, and they're, 
other reasons why people don't eat meat i understand that some people actually have an allergy to meat like their body for some reason just can't digest it and that's something that i accept as an answer but a majority of population is not like that so i'm not going to say that a majority of population shouldn't be eating meat mm-hmm. i mean yeah I'd... and another thing is how i mean it, people are like technically or scientifically in like an animal category right um so how can you say that, like, oh, humans shouldn't be eating meat, they should only be eating plants? What about other animals that eat meat? Or right. How are you going to stop them? That's their natural instinct, and that's that's what they do. That's their animals. That's what they do, and that's what people do as well. They are omnivores. How are you going to go around and, you know, stop bears from eating fish and right. different things like that? Yeah, no, and that's something that's been kind of fought over a lot too it's another contradiction that i bring up a lot whenever i'm talking to people about that sort of thing is they say that um humans shouldn't eat meat because they have a a a moral standing to know not to kill and my argument to that is we have a moral standing to know not to kill humans Mm -hmm. we have nothing in our morals that say we can't kill animals that's never been a thing because we know better we have natural animal instincts to allow us to eat animals to survive. That's something that's been embedded into our minds. We're the number one hunters because we're smart enough to know how to kill things. It's not that we, that if we were meant to be herbivores, we would not be hunters. We would not know how to kill. We would not know how to chew meat. We, like, that's just naturally embedded into our mind. I mean, speaking from an evolutionary standpoint, we can go to the religious stance too. I can argue that all day. I've argued that all day. People will say all this stuff about how, um, there's there's no religious argument for eating meat. I say all the time, well, it's in the first seven pages of the Bible. God made animals for man. He skinned an animal and made clothing. He, you know, he, freaking the story of um, Isaac. Um, what's his name? Abraham and Isaac. He slaughtered a sheep and sacrificed instead of his own son. Like, that just shows that animals are less valuable than human. And the, and. I think kind of the general problem is it doesn't matter if you're arguing the evolutionary side, the religious side, or just your personal morals. In every instance of the word, your value should be directed towards human life. Human life should trump everything else because you yourself are human, so you should only defend humans. You don't see a lion trying to attack a rhino because it's trying to kill a cheetah. Lions don't care about cheetahs. They're not the same. Lions say, okay, that rhino is my dinner. You stay off my dinner. I'm going to go kill that thing myself, and if I have to kill you in the process, I will. Because that's how the animal kingdom works. They don't try to defend each other because they're not equal. I mean, there's no other animal in the animal kingdom that tries to defend other animals that are not part of their packer species. Just just saying. I mean, that's that's how things have always been. I don't see whales trying to defend dolphins. I don't see uh, monkeys trying to defend squirrels. Like, there's, it doesn't matter if you're close in the animal tree. I mean, I don't see orangutans trying to defend chimps. Like... That's just something that doesn't naturally happen because we're not supposed to be on equal terms. There's an animal kingdom for a reason, and we're at the top of it because we're the smartest and we're the most adapted to our environment. And that's how it should be. Not to say we couldn't treat our animals with respect because they definitely deserve that, but we shouldn't be treating them as equals. True. Got a little bit of a long rant there. but (laughs) So, that being said, are there any other points you guys wanted to go over i mean we went over the history we went over the environmental a little bit we went over um the butchering process the biological stuff the religious stuff i think you hit a lot of it <laughs> this is definitely going to be two parts because we're at an hour 
in five minutes. Um, so that's fine with me. I mean, that gives us two weeks worth of episodes. But I knew this was going to be a long topic, and we could go on even longer. Like, there's so much more to cover, but those are kind of just the basic points I wanted to hit. What I would really like to do, and maybe we will do this in the future, I want to try to find somebody who's reasonable enough to talk to about this that agrees with the other side. They agree with the animal rights perspective of it. The problem is the majority of the people I know that support that are, not to say radical, but they're not, you know, civil. They, everything you say, they say, oh, no, you're a murderer. And I don't want that kind of person on here. I want somebody can, who can say, you know what, I understand that, but here's why I believe in this. And I would say, you know what, I understand that and I respect that, but you can't deny this. And, you know, yeah. like something... And have a civil... Right. Debate. So, like, I would definitely like to do something like that. Um... I doubt any of our audience is a rights supporter, but if you are, if you know someone who is and, and they're more civil in their discussion, make sure to reach out to us because we would love to have that kind of discussion. We could even bring Macy back on here um, and have that kind of discussion, and I think that'd be something that'd be very beneficial because I like I like to get more alternative points of view in, into here. The problem is it's just there's not a whole lot of resource for that to happen. Um, so yeah, a lot of our discussion today was was pretty much like 95% bias towards animal welfare yeah. but um that's just something that's it's hard for us to go over animal rights when we don't know the argument for animal rights a lot of us mm-hmm. we know we know a pretty decent amount of it you shouldn't kill animals because this reason or that reason or you shouldn't eat meat because this reason or that reason but it'd be, it'd be more useful coming from somebody who actually like did their research knows their stuff and who believes in it and is passionate right. about it right yeah because like I mean did you did you do ag issues Okay, but you were in livestock, right? Yeah. So you had to do the Ag Issues assignment? Yeah. So in Ag Issues, which we talked about Ag Issues in a couple episodes before, I think, um, you have two sides to this argument. It doesn't matter who agrees with what. You have two sides, and these people have to debate over it as part of a class assignment. It's actually part of a judging team as part of FFA. And they have to be able to argue this effectively no matter what side they agree with. And the kind of hard part about that is none of us did ag issues so we can't like we're not that good at arguing things that we're not mm-hmm. that we don't agree with like that's just something that we've struggled with for a while yeah. um we did this um actually we did the ag issues project in our livestock class and my topic was animal rights and it was really difficult coming up with like the other side right because it's that's just like not how we've grown up that's not how we've been taught that we don't know right that well, time when I was in that livestock class two years ago, my topic was GMOs. Yeah. And I brought up arguments in there, and, and our teacher, Tano, looked over at me and he said, that's really what those people think? I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm just, I, I found this on a website, I'm using it, because I don't know what the argument for GMOs is. And, I mean, I know it now, I didn't know at the time, though. But, um, yeah, so, like I said, it's very difficult for us to give both sides of this argument effectively, just because, you know, it's hard for us to know what the other side is thinking, because we don't agree with them. And not to say we're closed-minded. I'm, I'm open-minded to any argument that somebody wants to give to me on it, but I want to have that discussion first. And I can't just, you know, say what the other side is thinking because I don't know what they're thinking. You know, that's, that's hard to, to make. But that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up here because we're at an hour and ten minutes, and which for you guys is probably like 25 minutes, depending on how I cut it. But, um, so yeah, so I'd like to... Uh, in this by thanking all you guys for listening thanking Macy here for joining us and filling in for Abby and Anytime. providing a, uh, an interesting uh, side to the discussion and Evan for uh, 
being Evan. Appreciate it. <laughs> no so, problem. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week, and uh, we will hopefully have that live stream date for you uh, pretty soon. We're working on it. But, yeah, so um, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up here. So make sure you guys tune into the next one, and don't forget, if you wait today, like a farmer. <laughs>